Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. I hope you're doing well. Now, a lot of people on the left genuinely care about the poor, the disenfranchised, and minorities struggling to achieve peace and prosperity in their own communities. Unfortunately, these leftists are generally getting their information about Donald Trump from hostile sources and don't really understand why the poor, the disenfranchised, and minorities support him to such a significant extent. So, as a public service, I'm going to help leftists understand Donald Trump's 2016 RNC nomination acceptance speech in the hopes of helping to bridge the gap between concern for the poor and Trump's positions. Okay. First of all, Trump's main themes of safety, prosperity, and peace do not really apply to the wealthy. See, the wealthy retreat behind their gated communities. They are already prosperous and find their peace little disturbed by current events. Some, in fact, profit from state power and favors. So who suffers from the rising crime described by Donald Trump in his speech? Well, it's not the uber-rich, people like Mark Zuckerberg, who goes jogging surrounded by a baker's dozen of well-armed security guards and builds giant walls around his various homes. It's not the middle classes. The middle classes have the resources and options to flee crime-ridden neighborhoods. No, no. It is the poor, the elderly, the dependent, those people have a very hard time getting out of their neighborhoods when the criminals take over. So when Trump talks about safety and peace, he is directly addressing the concerns of the poor, many of them minorities who are trapped in escalating cycles of violence. When Trump talks about attacks on the police, he is again speaking to the disadvantaged, to disproportionately rely upon the protection of the police in their increasingly dangerous neighborhoods. The police spend more time in high-crime neighborhoods, in part because of, at least until recently, proactive and preventative policing tactics, but also largely because people in those neighborhoods call the police desperate for protection from danger. So when Donald Trump talks about protecting the police, he is addressing those who rely on the police to protect them from criminals. That may not be you. Maybe you live in a nice, safe neighborhood, but... Those people are out there, they are very real, and their needs are not being addressed. So, when Donald Trump says, quote, Homicides last year increased by 17% in America's 50 largest cities. That's the largest increase in 25 years. In our nation's capital, killings have risen by 50%. They are up nearly 60% in nearby Baltimore. He's making a promise to those trapped in these violent neighborhoods that he will work very hard to make them safe and and keep them safe. So when Donald Trump talks about, say, 180,000 illegal immigrants with criminal records roaming free, he is talking to the poor about their neighborhoods. Not a lot of illegal immigrants with criminal records taking up residence in middle class or wealthy neighborhoods. They threaten the poor, the disenfranchised, the disadvantaged, and, of course, some minorities. Those groups are who Donald Trump was talking to. When Donald Trump says, quote, nearly four in 10 African-American children are living in poverty, while 58% of African-American youth are not employed. Two million more Latinos are in poverty today than when the president took his oath of office less than eight years ago. Another 14 million people have left the workforce entirely. What's he doing? Well, 
He's pointing out that if you really care about the poor, you have to admit that something has gone seriously wrong over the past few years, and more of the same will just make it worse. What does he mean with regards to foreign policy, what was going on? Well, personally, I've actually always admired the left's criticism of America's imperialism and wildly aggressive foreign policy. When Donald Trump talks about globalism, he is talking about dislodging or challenging the American neocon imperialists and nation builders who have created so much death and destruction around the world. Now, leftists have always said that America should spend its money on its own infrastructure and needs rather than wasting it on endless violent imperialism. And since Hillary Clinton was in charge of America's foreign policy for many years, Trump can reasonably lay many of these disasters directly at her feet. Donald Trump said, and and you really, really need to listen to this, that before Hillary Clinton took over as Secretary of State, quote, Libya was cooperating. Egypt was peaceful. Iraq was seeing a reduction in violence. Iran was being choked by sanctions. Syria was under control. After four years of Hillary Clinton, what do we have? ISIS has spread across the region and the world. Libya is in ruins. And our ambassador and his staff were left helpless to die at the hands of savage killers. Egypt was turned over to the radical Muslim Brotherhood, forcing the military to retake control. Iraq is in chaos. Iran is on the path to nuclear weapons. Syria is engulfed in a civil war and a refugee crisis that now threatens the West. After 15 years of wars in the Middle East, after trillions of dollars spent and thousands of lives lost, the situation is worse than it has ever been before. This is the legacy of Hillary Clinton. Death, destruction, and weakness. Now, come on, people. If you're on the left, if you're a Democrat, you know in your heart of hearts that if these horrific policies had been inflicted by a Republican, you would be up in arms. These evils would be blindingly clear to you right down to your spine. You would be condemning these ghastly disasters with all the self-righteous moral fiber in your being. And I would agree with you. Ah, but you see, it was Hillary and Obama, so you feel a loyalty to the party and a reticence to apply the same standards you would apply to a Republican. Now, come on, that's not good. That's not right. You know that deep down, I'm sure. Come on, we know how this goes. If you care about the poor, the disenfranchised, and minorities, then supporting some of the most disastrous decisions, imperialist decisions America has ever made is directly harmful to those groups, those groups you claim to care about. What does war do? War hurts the poor the most. It drives inflation, which really hurts the poor. It gets people in the military killed, who often come from the poor. It increases taxes, which destroys jobs. Look, if taxes go up 10 or 15%, the middle class just kind of cuts back. The poor end up unemployed. Kind of a 100% tax when you think about it. War also drives up the national debt because politicians don't want to provoke an anti-war backlash by raising taxes to pay for the war in real time. And the national debt, the increase in the national debt, hurts the poor. It raises interest rates, lowers job growth, creates a future hole in demand, you know, when the debt has to be paid back, that kills job creation. And the national debt, of course, funds the welfare programs that undermine family stability among the poor, a primary reason why 
Entire communities get trapped in what seems like near-permanent poverty. Also, the people and countries whose lives have been destroyed by the Clinton-Obama foreign policy disasters are generally poor people in poor countries. You really do care about those poor people, right? I know I do. So, what about illegal immigration? So, when Donald Trump says, quote, decades of record immigration have produced lower wages and higher unemployment for our citizens, especially for African-American and Latino workers. We are going to have an immigration system that works, but one that works for the American people. Well, what does he mean? Well, he's talking about working to create higher wages and more job opportunities for American minorities, in particular African-Americans. Now, For many decades, people on the left have argued that America owes a special obligation to the African-American community because of the legacies of slavery and segregation and Jim Crow and so on. Now, allowing millions and millions of poor immigrants, legal and illegal, to pour into America drives down wages and destroys jobs for the African-American community. So if America does owe a special obligation to the African-American community, mass immigration has to be on the table, needs to be slowed. Otherwise, the needs and interests of those whose ancestors suffered under slavery are undermined for the sake of people who aren't even citizens and were never enslaved. That cannot in any circumstance be described as even remotely fair or decent. This is why Donald Trump says, quote, My greatest compassion will be for our own struggling citizens. This is what he is talking about. You claim to care about the poor. Are you listening? See, here's what you really, really need to understand. The poor cannot survive forever on welfare. And you get this is so, so important. The national debt of the United States is over $19 trillion at the moment. Now, that debt is either going to be repudiated or monetized or somehow paid back. If it is repudiated, if they say, we're not going to pay, national spending in the U.S., government spending will crater because no one will ever lend to the United States again. I don't know, at least for the next 100 years or so. If national spending, if government spending craters, who is going to be the most affected? That's right, the poor specifically the poor on welfare. Disaster. Now, if the debt is monetized, if the Federal Reserve creates money out of nothing to pretend to pay off the debt, hyperinflation hits, and that hits the poor the hardest. Those on fixed incomes, the elderly, the disabled, and those on welfare, will end up likely unable to buy food. America will become Venezuela, and parts of it will become Rwanda. Yeah, you, you see what I mean, right? America needs a radically different path than more of the same. Ah, what if somehow, magically, the national debt is paid back? Okay, well, you have to deduct your debt payments from your current spending. National spending will also crater. You know, like you stop eating out when you have a big visa bill, or at least I hope so. This produces the same disastrous results for those on welfare. See, America... <laughs> You need to find a way to get poor people off welfare before these catastrophes hit. And the best way to do that is to create jobs. Now, the government cannot create jobs. 
It can spend, it can buy jobs now at the expense of jobs in the future. But what it can do to actually help job creation is to get out of the way of the private sector creating jobs, which is kind of what Donald Trump is talking about. Yes, he talks about lowering corporate taxes. I know corporations are at the heart of leftist demonology, but remember, remember, it's important to know, corporations don't pay taxes. Their customers and their employees pay corporate taxes through higher prices or lower wages or fewer job opportunities. Lower corporate taxes, you help create jobs. Simplify the tax code, you create jobs. With more jobs being created and fewer welfare payments, the government ends up with more money. If you renegotiate for better trade deals, it's the same thing. Now see, this is what is actually called caring about the poor, the underprivileged and minorities. See, this is where things stand. You've got these two things in opposition. There are leftist beliefs and there are Democrat party politics and priorities. Now these two things are not the same and often they're in direct opposition to each other. Democrat party politics... Well, they're helped by having people dependent on the government, you know, buying votes for people to keep the cheddar train going. Genuine sympathy and aid for the poor means helping them become independent from the state. Helping the poor having their own lives, their own incomes, their own jobs, their own futures. Because dependence on the state breeds inertia, despair, fatherlessness, criminality, social decay. Democrats don't know how to create jobs. They mostly know how to create dependence on the state. You know, like a drug dealer. Oh, it's good for the drug dealer, bad for the addict. Look, I respect that you care about the poor, but we do have to care intelligently. The war on poverty declared by LBJ in the 1960s has not solved the problem of poverty. There are more poor people now than ever before and a far greater national debt. National debt is just collective deferred poverty. So in other words, for tens of millions of people, America has created an addiction to a drug that cannot last, the drug of government spending. This is a very dangerous situation and it is most dangerous for the poor and minorities. Look, I'm not telling you anything you don't basically know. I think that everyone knows this deep down. It is easy to say that you care. It's called virtue signaling. But it's a lot harder to actually help people in the long run. Hey, offer to give poor people other people's money. That's pretty hard to say no to. But charity or welfare is like morphine. It's great for emergencies like surgery. It's terrible for daily life. So, You care about the poor. I get that, and I appreciate that. But you also have to understand that things aren't working. And I believe that everyone understands that in their heart of hearts. Everyone knows that something significant has to change. Now, Donald Trump is going to change the way things are done in America. Yeah, he's not a racist. He's not a sexist. He's not, I don't know, whatever non-arguments have been stapled to him. He is going to change things. If you disagree with his changes, fine, great, suggest something better. But the one thing that no sane person can actually want is for things to continue along the same disastrous path. 
you know, everyone knows that old definition of insanity, which is to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Everyone knows. Big, important, deep things must change in America. This is why Americans had an overwhelmingly positive response to Donald Trump's speech. 75% of viewers said it had a very positive or somewhat positive effect on them. Now, of course, the media is calling Trump's speech fear-mongering and too dark. These are not arguments, and the reality of America is not good at the moment. And I think most people respect being told the truth. Is the media actually challenging the facts in Trump's speech? They are not, because math is tough and adjectives are easy. We all know it. We're honest with each other, right? We all know it. Something needs to change. America is like a giant airplane barreling towards a mountainside. If you stay the course, the end is clear. But there is a door, and there is a parachute. I suggest you make your choice. And yes, closing your eyes and believing the lies is a choice.